Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. All right, it's the week of Christmas, and I have gotten, uh, I just said, the last minute, my guest for today, in case of those of you who are wondering, hey, is Wayne Peterson coming on today? Longtime famous radio guy, Wayne Peterson, coming on today? Unfortunately, Wayne Peterson uh, was not able to make the show today, but fortunately, we'll reschedule him in January or February. But fortunately for everybody, I had this young lady on my list to schedule for early January, and I called her yesterday and said, would you be willing to come on my show? I know it's last minute. I'm really sorry. And, but I'd gotten a referral saying this young lady had a story that everybody needed to hear. Her name is Madison Miller. She's got a ministry called Spark the way you're going to get to know her today, but I'll, I'll guarantee you, this is a road we've never gone down before on I Work For Him, and I guarantee you, you are going to enjoy this. Madison, welcome to I Work For Him. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, and thanks for your flexibility. It was, uh, you know, it was amazing as you're texting me. Jim, I really, uh, uh, yes, I'll do it, but I'm in the middle of doing a Christmas movie marathon. I'll, I'll read those <laughs> questions tomorrow. So what great Christmas movies did you watch yesterday? Oh, we watched um, Elf. And then The Grinch, which is my favorite. Um, we did Santa Claus 1, and we were going to do 2 and 3, but we didn't make it to those. We just made our cookies instead. So you you watched classic movies from the 80s and the 90s and, and to 2000, but not the real Christmas classics. Oh, not those. Oh, but there's some good ones out there. But Elf is perhaps, you know, that is a great 
That I like I like Elf. That was a good one. Actually, Santa Claus is pretty good too. I like Tim Allen. It, that was a pretty funny one. And when he kept trying to lose the weight, I thought that was hilarious. And shaving and coming to come, I, that was a good one. I agree. And then when his kid finds out he's Santa Claus, you're like wow, dad. So magical. I know. It's so magical. And, and it was it was yes, it is magical and it's fun. It's fun to get lost in a story like that just for a little while. It it's is. fun just to just to escape from reality. I, I always start off every show with a scripture verse. And, and so this is what, and, and honestly, this one I did not pick out for today. It was already picked out for what today was going to be, but I, I love it. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. As you shared part of your story with me before the show, I, I love the amazingness of our Heavenly Father and how there's no duplicate around the globe, which that's amazing when there's seven and a half billion people out there. But the fact that then God in his ultimate humor created men and women, and we couldn't be more different, men and women. And the way you're going to share your story today, if it was a guy, I'm not sure it would be the same because God has given you an amazing amount of grace. First, just talk today. Let's let's go ahead to today and tell me how Christ has made a difference in your life today. And then we're going to step back and hear your story. Oh, goodness. Um he has done so much in my life. It's just, there's so many things that just attack my brain at that at that question. Um, right now, him and I were in this season of just really learning to discern his voice. Mm -hmm. um, instead of doing the whole, oh, I feel like God's telling me this, or I feel like that. I feel like he, he did this for me. Um, it's just this really cool season of... Um, like feeling the Holy Spirit internally, but then asking God to confirm it externally um, so that I know that it's him so I can discern that it's him and not my desires. Um, so how have you, I mean, what have you learned so far? I mean, try, learning to discern the voice of God is an extremely difficult discipline. I mean, what have you learned so far? Oh my goodness. Um, I have learned that he's surprising. Um, he's very surprising. There are things that I kind of I expect him to answer this way or I expect him to confirm in a certain way and then he just ends up completely completely left field just comes out of nowhere um but that's what's so him how we're talking today with Madison Miller from Spark the Way Madison I think it's just time let's just people may have never heard of you before or maybe have heard you speak on other radio shows let's just talk about how did you get where you're at today why are you on the radio Oh man. Um, so in 2013, well, I guess even before that, um, I grew up in Harborside Church. I grew up going to church throughout high school. Um, and it was over our summer camps and conferences that I learned about human trafficking. And my passion became for human trafficking. I wanted to be a part of the team that ended um, the human trafficking going on around the world. Um, and so the beginning of 2013, I applied for an internship with a 21 campaign, um, which is Christine Kane's organization. Um, I got the internship and I was um, getting ready to move over to California. It's um, based in Costa Mesa. And about a month before I was about to move, my grandfather was diagnosed with lymphoma um, and my grandpa helped raise me like he was the man I wanted to walk me down the aisle one day like him and I were just very very close um so I knew that with his diagnosis I would not be comfortable with leaving um moving across the country and um, so I stayed um watched him battle for a few months and then um actually mid-fight 
for him, I ended up going to the hospital with chest pain. Um, and they did an x-ray, they found a tumor, and they biopsied it, and it came back as lymphoma. Um, so we ended up battling at the same time. But um, about a month or two after my diagnosis, he ended up passing away from it. Um, so hmm, that was very quick. It was very quick. It was all, it seemed like within the same month that um, I was diagnosed and then he passed and then my chemo started and it was just, it just seemed like our family was getting one hit after another. It just seemed so unreal. Um, so that started my treatments. I would do um, a week of chemo over at Moffitt and then I'd have two weeks off and then go back in for a week and have two weeks off and we went back and forth like that um, for about six months. And then I did radiation for six weeks after that. So, but step step back because you're you're young. People listen; they they can't tell because you know we're on radio. They can't tell you. I mean, but you're you're young. You were 20 years old when you got diagnosed with cancer. I was. I was 20. Most 20 year olds think they're invincible. Most 20 year olds <laughs> think they have the world by the tail, which they learn by the time they're my age at 50 that they never ever did. That the world had it the kid by the tail. I mean, how did that set you back in your faith? I mean, that that's a big challenge. I was like, wait a minute, Lord, I was going to go serve you. Now I've got cancer. It was it was surreal. Um, I really just felt like it was this nightmare. Um, and honestly, that invincible is the first word I always used to explain that moment. I thought that I was. And then you get this diagnosis and. I don't honestly, my my first instinct was um, to pray and that Philippians four verse, um, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything um, with prayer and petition, like give thanks to God. And so that's kind of what I did. I, Lord, like this is actually kind of scary. Like, what are you doing? And it's cool because the second half of that verse talks about this peace that um, surpasses all knowledge, all circumstances. And it was peaceful from that moment on. It was peaceful. Um, it wasn't easy, but it, he just, he made it peaceful and he made it, um, something that I didn't have to fear. You know, there wasn't a day that I was afraid of the cancer at all. But, and was that because of your faith? I mean, what, what drove, first of all, what would drive fear typically in somebody? I mean, cause you were in, in a hospital full of other people that had cancer. I imagine you're in a yeah. cancer ward. So yeah. did you see a lot of people suffering from fear? There are, um, people that um i don't they're afraid of death um they're afraid of not living their life to the fullest people that um are just afraid of not getting to do the things that they wanted to do with their life you know if cancer was to take them i haven't done this i haven't accomplished this like i'm afraid that i won't get to do this you know um the bucket list yes yeah did you have any of those thoughts um i I think the only, I like to travel a lot. Um, so I did think like, oh shoot, like I'm never going to see Australia <laughs> or my other one too is, oh shoot, like I'm never getting married. Um, but honestly, it's not something that overtook me. Like I wasn't, um, I never really sat on those thoughts for too long. They just kind of passed and well, Australia. Well, heaven's going to be cooler. <laughs> you know, Hard to believe. I've, I've heard Australia is incredible. And of course, I watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So I saw lots of pictures of Australia and New Zealand. So it's supposed to be incredible. So the Lord starts bringing you down this path mm-hmm. that or allows you to get on this path, however we want to word it. But it's a pretty it's a pretty tough path. It is. Did you find days we were doubting God? Um, There were days where I, 
I didn't doubt him, but I questioned him. <laughs> like, why do I have to do this? Why do I? I was your willing servant, ready to leave my life here and go to California um, for this human trafficking for A21. Why are you making me do this now? <laughs> why am I going through this? Um, and I mean, he obviously answered it later on, but in the moment, it really it makes you wonder why God, why really, why does anything bad happen to me? You know. Well, is it possible he gave you cancer to save your life? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've never been more on fire for him in my life than I have been after this cancer season. Hmm. Um, you said something off the air that uh, uh, God used cancer to to redefine your faith. Explain that. Absolutely. Um, because it's just a test. You know, you say, God, you, ha- you can have my life. I'm willing. Take my life. I'm your servant. Um, but really, that's tested when your life is actually on the line. You know, when you're... Um, coming down to what could be your final days. Like, are you really trusting in the Lord? Are you really loving the Lord with all that you have? Um, for me, I wasn't, I was one who put relationships in the way of, of God. Um, and he just kind of took this whole cancer season to say like, Hey, like I'm actually all you need. Like I'm actually the only one that can fully satisfy and fulfill and save you. Like lean on me 100 percent like make me your number one um and so since then i have and it's honestly been the most fulfilled and satisfied i've ever been (laughs) that's awesome you know it is uh and people may be listening going jim i don't get where you're taking the interview because this doesn't really have anything to do with the workplace just stay tuned because i really wanted you to hear madison's story because madison is here because she's a light in her workplace and she caught the attention of a good friend of mine ross Harrop from c12 and her serving Ross and his C12 group at the East Bay Country Club? East Lake. East Lake, excuse me. East Lake, that's where East Bay would be on East Bay. Uh, East Lake Country Club. And 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 that's how she got to share a story with Ross. And Ross goes, wow, you got to bring her on. Later on in the show, we're going to hear from Madison about how you and I, how, how we can interact with people that are suffering with cancer. Because it's one of those things where some people don't even know what to do. You know, I'm one of those guys, foot in mouth first and then step back later. I don't want to be that with somebody who's suffering from cancer. And we have all kinds of friends that live way beyond cancer, and some friends don't. But we need to know how to deal with them. So Madison in the third segment is going to share that so we can have a good perspective. Madison, as we head off into the break, there's probably people listening right now that have, uh, well, they have family members that are suffering from cancer. Mm -hmm. They may even have cancer. What's what's one Christmas word you can give for them in the last 30 seconds of this segment? Ooh, hope. Hope. God has promised um, that he will bring peace, and he did when he brought Jesus to the world, and he will when he brings Jesus to your cancer season. Hope. And, and, and when you say the word hope, and that's something that I hear all the time, when I hear the news reports and when I hear the politicians, the, the everybody, the everybody plays on fear. Instead mm-hmm. of talking about the hope that we have in Christ. Because yeah. our world, there's all kinds of hope out there, but people need to talk about it. And yeah. that's God is using you as a light to the community to talk about the hope that you got because you got cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it's an amazing thing, but hope yeah. is one of those things. All right, we're talking with Madison Miller. She is a cancer survivor and has just shared the story of when she got cancer. Now, Madison, how many years have you been cancer-free? Um, a year and a half. So you, you had cancer for a year and a half, now you're a year and a half free. I, yes. Yep. Okay. So you go back, how often do you go back for checkups? 
Um, I go, I have to do blood work every three months and then every six months I do a scan. Okay. So you're still, you said that you were able to live not in fear, but to live in hope because Mm -hmm. it didn't really matter whether you lived or you died. You knew where you were going to go. Absolutely. So how does that impact your life today? I got to believe that having, being a cancer survivor has really changed how you view life today. Absolutely. Um, well, even just in starting Spark the Way, um, I've said it five times already. Like I, um, I have my general AA. I'm a receptionist at a country club. I'm not necessarily qualified in the world's term of qualified to be doing something like this, to be a president of a nonprofit organization. Um, but because of the cancer life, because the Lord has shown me like, you don't have to fear anything in this world. And with me, you have no limits in this world. Um, that's kind of how Spark the Way came about was um, really just knowing that with Christ, I was limitless and fearless and um, he's capable of literally anything. You know, Jesus didn't have an AA degree. So true. Okay. So just so keep in mind. So if people ever, I mean, first of all, college degrees, most of my buddies who are truly successful in business, most of them never finished college. And and also just, I mean, just keep, just keep that in mind. It's not, it's not that important. But also to remember that your job as a receptionist is the most important job in the corporation. They'll never tell you that, but you are the director of first impressions. Mm-hmm. And if they get greeted by that amazing smile that you have every, every day, people will have an amazing experience. Because you're the first one that sets the standard for everybody who walks through that door. So don't don't downplay your job. You have a very important job. No, maybe you're not making a billion dollars a year. And we all know Donald Trump's got how many how many billions? Oh, a lot. No, he says he says it all the time. Nine billion. I got nine billion dollars. I don't need anybody's money. Okay, which is good because I'd like to see him turn the whole Washington D.C. upside down. But I'd like anybody that gets elected to do that. But we got to find somebody willing to do it. But it doesn't matter. The money doesn't matter. You're making an impact every day. And I know you're making an impact because that's why you're here. Mm-hmm. If you hadn't made an impact on my friend Ross Harrop's life, serving him and his C12 group at East Lake Country Club, you wouldn't be here. I would have known about it. Yeah. So talk to me about, were you before cancer? Describe the before cancer Madison Miller versus the after cancer Madison Miller. Before cancer... I had my faith. Um, God was there. He wasn't number one, but he absolutely was there. I did the church thing, was part of youth group, did the um, church camps and everything. Um, But he wasn't number one. Um, So he was limited, I guess. Honestly, I just keep going back to that word. But before he was limited and now he's not. Now he knows that he really has every aspect of my life. Um, And he's used it. (laughs) He's used it. And it's just, it's made me limitless. It's made us limitless. I like that, limitless. So talk about what was the inspiration for starting your, well, for, you, you've got a nonprofit called Spark the Way. What is it all about? Um, Spark the Way essentially is bringing, bringing God into the cancer world um, because it is such a scary place to be in such a dark place. Honestly, it's um, even with Christ, you hit your dark days. Um, walking into cancer centers aren't, necessarily Disney World so to have (laughs) so to have him to have the light of Christ um and to be able to have rely on him for that joy through such a time um is super super important um 
So essentially that's what Sparkly wants to do, just to shed light and bring the light of Christ into such a dark place. So where'd you get the name though? Spark the way. That's funny that, um, <laughs> I, Spark was always in my mind. Um, I don't know if that was a me thing or God putting it there, but Spark was always on my mind. Um, and so I was talking to my family about it and, um, I was like, there's gotta be something else besides Spark. And so they started praying about it. Um, a couple of days later, my um, brother, not my blood brother, but my pretty much brother um, called and he's like, I got it. He's like, the Lord told me. And I was like, okay, what? And he's like, it's um, John 5, like, I believe it's John 5, or Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He goes, it's the way. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so we prayed over it. And the next day, LLC'd it to be Spark the Way. And it's neat. Um I absolutely believe the Lord gave him those words um, because not only is it our mission encompassed in the name, um, we're sparking Jesus in people's lives um, that are in the cancer season, but also marketing wise, it's been really great (laughs) to be able to thank people for helping us spark the way and all these things like the Lord, we've got a pretty smart God. John 14, (laughs) five and six is one of those, you know, delineating verses in scriptures. I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And mm-hmm. It's one of those things like, hey, Jesus said he's the only way. Yeah. And, and to be able to light that spark, to, to light that, to ignite that within people yeah. is, is quite a privilege. I really want to dig deep into how we can encourage people on how to come alongside their friends who are fighting the cancer battle. Because we've all been told, listen, if we live long enough, we're going to have some sort of cancer. Mm-hmm. So how do we do it? And and most of the time, we don't have young friends that get cancer. Although I told you before the show, I had a buddy of mine, my first buddy that died was 16, had Mm -hmm. cancer and really didn't know what to do. We just hung out and did things we did. And, you know, it just, it was just different. But helping us know how to help our friends who have cancer and also want to hear about your ministry going forward and what Spark the Way is doing, the interactions that you're getting a chance to to really feed into our community. Every one of us, none of us has gone untouched by cancer. None of us has gone untouched. And a lot of times we get, we have friends who have cancer and Martha and I have a a good friend right now who has cancer. And it's sometimes hard to, how do you deal with it? How do you talk about, what do you talk about? How do you approach it? What do you, you know, we know everybody deals with a little bit differently. And I thought, boy, you'd love to hear from a, a woman who got it at 20. And life just kind of comes to a halt, didn't it, Madison? I mean, I imagine it just was like, whoa. Well, yeah, you were about ready to go on the mission field in California. Yeah. All your plans definitely get put on hold for a while, um, which is weird because especially in that time of your life as a young adult, you're ready to go off to college, ready to go take that job. Or I have a bunch of friends um, who are getting married at that time. So you just kind of you're taking your next big step in life, usually at that age. Um, so to get a cancer diagnosis is kind of like, okay, I wasn't expecting that step. Um, so it's just, it's surreal. When you look at the impact God has used your life to make on others, I want to talk about that because you're spark the way you mentioned that. Oh, I asked you right during the break. I said, okay, so do you ever get to go out to hospitals, to cancer wards and, and minister to people, share with people and you, go ahead and talk about that. Um, so we'll be starting in January um, with Moffat, and I'll just be sitting one-on-one um, and doing just kind of a mentorship um, with young adults that are fighting cancer. Um, so far, Spark the Way has been able to really help um, and be one-on-one with, with uh, caregivers, young adult caregivers and young adult survivors, but 
this is kind of another step for us is to be able to sit with um, fighters, people that are actually in the hospitals. But but you mentioned another thing. I mean, young adult caregivers is another one of those. So you're talking about young adult. You're going to go one on one with people who have cancer mm-hmm. that are young adults. Yeah. But it's a lot of times kids whose parents get cancer. Mm-hmm. And they end up being a caregiver. That, that's another side of the battle that a lot of people don't think about. Absolutely. Because their lives go on hold as well. They, the caregivers, honestly, I think have it harder um, than the fighter most days because they just have to sit back and watch. There's nothing that they can do to fix it. There's nothing that they can do to make it all better. Um, they just have to sit and watch. And I think that's hard. That's so hard. Um so to be able to support young adults who have to be that for their parents um, is very important to us um, just because that's a lot of weight to put on yourself as a young adult, um, or I guess anyone as the caregiver, that you have to say the perfect words or you have to do the right things or you have to, um, I don't know, just have these moments that will just fix everything um i feel like people take on that weight and that's not a weight you can take on um well let's dig through that a little bit because that's that's really what i wanted to focus this segment on is okay let's say you and i are friends and you mm-hmm. get cancer i don't know what to say because immediately the person who is doesn't have cancer immediately goes to oh are they gonna die yeah. And true. honestly if you're a christ follower people battle this all day long understand everybody that's listening All physical healing on this earth is temporary. We need to have a real, that just helps with our perspective. Because everybody, Lazarus, Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. He still died again. Mm -hmm. We're all going to die. That death and taxes, those are the two guarantees. (laughs) But to not immediately go in my mind to, oh my goodness, they're going to die. How, help us, help us out. How do we, as friends, come alongside um, young people, anybody that's got cancer, how do we be friends and deal with our own emotions? I mean, help us out. I mean, because I'm sure people said some stupid things to you. Um, they did. They're, <laughs> the ones that kind of make me laugh now are the ones that, oh, like you have large B-cell lymphoma. Like my cousin had that like a couple years ago and died from it. Those kind of things, <laughs> you don't bring back the memories of people who have passed from <laughs> the cancer diagnosis that you just got. Um, so skip that. Um, honestly, I think the first thing that pops in my head, the greatest help, the greatest friends were the ones who just, who stayed cool. Um, I'm a very sarcastic person. I have a lot of sarcastic friendships. And so the friends who kept those sarcastic comments up, who, um, kept things normal. I have a friend, (laughs) this is going to sound awful. Um, I call him fat and he calls me ugly. It's just kind of, hey, fatty, hey, ugly. That's how our friendship has always been. It's It's a loving friendship. It's very loving. Um, So to continue to do that sort of thing was very helpful. It kept things as normal as possible. So don't change things because the paradigm shifted. Right. Don't start walking on eggshells. Don't start like, oh, I wonder if I should say, just keep it normal. You know, what would you normally talk about? What's going on in Hollywood? What's Justin Bieber doing now at his concert? Nobody what? cares about Justin Bieber. <laughs> really? Seriously, you brought up Justin Bieber on my show? I don't know. I did. I'm so sorry. I take <laughs> Jose, can we fix that? Take that out of there. I'm sorry. That's permanently in the record. Now. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Congratulations, Madison. <laughs> oh, his name should be stricken from the record. Okay, so that's okay. I'm just kidding. All right. So 
You had, I mean, how many, how big was your close friend? I mean, girls always hang out in packs because we whenever do. they go to the bathroom, like, hey, let's go, let's go, let's go. And there's like 78 of you. So how many of, how many of your close friends stayed close during your battle with cancer? Oh my goodness. There wasn't, you'll never hear me say I fought this or I went to chemo. It's always we. Um, I always, always, always had people with me. Um, if they weren't with me, there was one time I came home from chemo and a big group of them had decorated my apartment and I walk in and there's balloons and welcome home signs. And I was finding little, um, pieces of paper with scripture written on them, just scattered all over my house. I was finding those for months. Um, so People didn't leave me alone, which was wonderful. I always had you didn't want my friends. Oh, there were times. There were times when I just flat out said, I don't feel good today. And they would just sit there and watch Netflix with me. And honestly, that that was a big thing, too, just having people that would come and just sit. Sometimes company is all you need. Shoulder to shoulder time, not necessarily yeah, conversations. Exactly. Exactly. And um, it's people, too. This is super important. People that um, would just sit and pray over me. They wouldn't feel the need to say the perfect things to me but they would just say can I pray over you and then we would start our pretty little liars marathon <laughs> you know it just um bring God into it as much as you can um because really that's I mean he's our ultimate comforter you know how did you want people to pray because when it's when you're at the height of your illness sometimes people are like yeah, maybe I'm ready to go or, or maybe you weren't I mean I don't know how did you want people to pray for you because that's something I, I pray with people all the time. I mean, I'm, I pray with people all the time. Good. And sometimes I don't know. I don't know how they want me to pray. I mean, sometimes I just say, how do you want me to pray? Because I don't really know what's in your heart. Honestly, that really asking too is such a such a good thing to do. Because there's people who take it, um, who take their cancer all, all sorts of ways. You know, there might not be people who want you to be super sarcastic with them. You know what I mean? There, it just kind of depends on the person. But um, I think ultimately if you're praying over someone with cancer... Um, my home for their prayer is that they would just say that they would want the Lord's will to be done over their life, um, that they would just be peaceful um, throughout, no matter what day comes, no matter how hard, how dark. Lord, like let, let your peace be so obvious and so prevalent every single day of this fight. Um, Lord, give me confidence, especially for for women, I losing my hair was the hardest day of my cancer. Mm. Um, the worst day of my life. Now, that started during the chemo or when the radiation started? Chemo. Okay. That was like the first week um, into chemo. That was the hardest day. Um, but was your hair as long? I mean, now you got shoulder length hair. Was it that long before? Or was it even longer? I actually, it was down like to my lower back. And then a month before I was even diagnosed, I chopped it off to my shoulders and donated it to Locks of Love. Sure, perfect. And then it was weird because the month after that was when I ended up getting diagnosed. And I was like, well, that's ironic because I just donated all my hair. So I should get that back. Well, it's, well, it's better <laughs> that you donated it because it Absolutely. went to somebody else. That, and I've seen your picture without any hair and because you've got yeah. that on your, on your website. Mm -hmm. And that's a great reminder to see where you've come from. It is. It is. When you look at the... the the road that you've been on, because you went into a, a many would call it a very deep, dark valley. But for you, mm -hmm. you don't describe it as a deep, dark valley. You, you you describe it as really a time where you drew as close to the Lord as you've ever been before. Mm -hmm. So that was not a dark place. You said it was without fear and it was full of hope. Mm -hmm. It was hard, though. It was definitely hard. It wasn't um, something I would sign up for tomorrow, but it's definitely something that um, if the Lord call me to it again, or if he was to put me back in time and say, hey, you're going to do this. Absolutely. You know, it was, um, 
I mean, cancer gives you this platform in the world um, to share the love of God and to share the hope of God and the light um, of Christ. And just to have this platform, just to have this connection with so many people in the world. There's a young adult, one every eight minutes is diagnosed with cancer. And so to have this connection with so many people now, um, the Lord's used it and it's been so cool to watch him use. Wow. Um, one out of every, one every out, eight minutes? One every eight minutes. Whew, that's a big number. Talk to me about, you know, your, your today. Were you working when you had the cancer treatments or did you have to quit your job? No, I had to quit. Okay. But you're back in a full-time, well, not you're back in a part-time job, receptionist mm-hmm. at East Lake Country Club, mm-hmm. being that smile, greeting everybody. You're the director of first operation or first impressions, which remind them that say it like a plaque, uh, director of first impressions. <laughs> I will. How do you use your cancer as a platform today? I mean, how often do you get a chance to just have a, a moment and share with people what God's done in your life? It's crazy. It seems like, well, the front desk is everyone's go-to when they're waiting for someone or... Um, when they have a complaint or they want to tell you something about the club, it's kind of just everyone's go-to spot. Um, so just conversations have started with so many people. And we have people coming in. We have members, and then we have people coming in for private events. So we've got brides. We've got quinceaneras happening. We've got all sorts of things going on all of the time. So there are so many people that filter through, and um, we'll just sit and talk, and so many people um, – I don't, it's really a Holy Spirit thing, I guess, like how the story will even come up sometimes. It's just weird whether they flat out say, oh, uh, like I was diagnosed with this or, oh, I'm struggling right now with this. Um, it's it's just been cool. It's a, it's a good place to sit, you know, and people just, they like to talk. You know, if you'll listen, they'll talk. Yeah, and, you get paid to talk to people all day long. Yeah, it's neat. I love it. It's, it is pretty cool. <laughs> it's so cool. When when you look when you turn this into the workplace because there are a lot of people that don't get the opportunity to quit their job while they're going through cancer treatment they're taking sick time or they're taking mm-hmm. time off unpaid talk about how employees can come along somebody like you like yourself as they're battling cancer because you didn't have kids at home that you were taking care of you didn't have a husband that was you you were single you you had mom and dad brothers and sisters to help out you had a friend your your group from Countryside Christian Center how. Turn into that, shift that paradigm into the workplace. Somebody that's uh, maybe got those kind of responsibilities. What are some of the things you would you think they're going to want? Um, goodness, I honestly, I my brain just always goes back to back to community. You just need people to help, um, and especially if you're trying to work during that time, if you're having to keep your job at that time. Any help that you can get anywhere, any community time that you can get to encourage you or to, um, I, I had people to come and like clean my apartment sometimes. <laughs> like that was honestly helpful because you're just so drained, um, especially if you're working, you don't have time to do all the things at home that you need to do. Yeah, you're exhausted. Yeah. So Madison, talk about Spark the Way, the ministry of Spark the Way. What are some of the things that you're doing with this ministry? Um, so spark the way is ultimately a community. The three things that my greatest ammo, um, was my community, my faith and nutrition. Um, so we do events, um, to promote this community every single month. Um, we have, it's called Sunday spark. Um, and we have dinner. We provide dinner for young adults affected by cancer. So the fighters, survivors, caregivers, and their families, um, we give them dinner on the beach at honeymoon Island. 
um, and we sit just for two hours and just hang out and talk. And um, if they want to talk about their cancer struggle, they can. If not, they want to talk about what they want to do with their lives after it's over. That's cool, too. Um, so it's really just connecting people and um, bringing people together to fight off this darkness, to fight off um, fears or insecurities or whatever that come with cancer. Um, and then we have these spark packs where we just fill them with things that either promote community nutrition or faith, um, just encouraging things in there. Um, so that kind of just, it varies. It's different every month and we mail them out. We drop them off at hospitals. So that's cool. I'm excited for those. Um, and then online too, we have a blog that goes out every week and then we have social media posts, um, just constant encouragement all of the time. So sparktheway.org is your website, sparktheway.org. What's your Facebook page? Spark the Way. Very, very ingenious. I like that. <laughs> it took a long time to come up with. That's right. Madison Miller, thank you so much for coming on I Work For Him today. Thank you for having me. Hey, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, just hope that today challenged you to look at, at your friends with cancer in maybe a different vein, to be able to just understand some of the struggle they're going through. And, and really what Madison was saying is that, hey, just ask ask your friend what do you need and and sometimes you just need somebody to be there they don't necessarily need you to talk to them but what did you learn today about how we can take the city for jesus christ what challenged you today today that our faith can be stretched by God. Sometimes God uses incidences in our lives like cancer to draw us close to him. And then a lot of times we get caught up in those deep, dark times and allow them to be deep, dark times instead of just wrapping our arms around our heavenly father and going, I don't understand why you're doing this but just carry me through it. And that's what Madison Miller did. And that's the story on her website, sparktheway.org. I wanted this to be an inspirational story for all of us because not all of us are going to have cancer as young people. Some of us are already old, but all of us have friends who are going through illnesses, sicknesses, deaths in the families. And we want each one of us on the I Work For Him nation, those of you listening today, to be ministers in a workplace, to be ministers in our neighborhoods, to be ministers to our families. This is an opportunity to be Jesus to somebody. That was the ultimate of his ministry, was to touch those who are hurting. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower and I own my own business, but ultimately, ultimately, I work for him. Stay.